Welcome to Career Crossroads Uncorked, a series of member chats inspired by good drinks and current talent acquisition trends. Your hosts, Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin, break down today's recruiting headlines while reviewing a select beverage of choice with industry leaders and influencers. Join us for a drink and conversation. Warning, this CXR podcast is longer than our usual conversation because there was just so much good stuff, we couldn't leave any of it out. Also, now's the time to pop in those headphones and clear the kids out of the room because we didn't censor it either. Consider yourself warned. Now turn it up and enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the CXR podcast. I am excited, 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 and hopefully a little tipsy by the time this thing is over, but I'm excited to introduce some folks today. We're doing an uncorked session. Uh, and maybe it's a little unfiltered, so that might be kind of exciting too. Uh, Jerry, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> All right, we have two of our favorite people in the space on. We uh, They have recommended, well, they actually recommended a drink, and I think we just ended up, all of us consistently, one element of that drink, one ingredient. So we're going to talk about that too. But first, let's do introductions. I'm going to ask for an escalator pitch from each of you, and I'm just going to start in the order that it's on my Brady Bunch monitor here. So first, Rocky, can you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and what your drink is going to be today? Yes. So hi, everybody. My name is Rocky Howard. I am the Chief People and Equity Officer at The Mom Project. We advocate and we place moms with companies who really want to figure out how to solve this problem about how moms come back into the workforce. And we're on a mission to um, create $3 billion worth of economic opportunity for mom in the next two years. I'm the host of the Voices of Diversity podcast, and I identify as she, her, Black, Christian, Gen X, wife, mom. Now, I have created my own gin drink today. This is called the mother of invention. This is what happens. I love gin and Sprite. I then this afternoon went downstairs to get the gin and there was no gin there. So I send my husband out to get gin. He then comes back. I then go into the pantry to get Sprite. There is no Sprite. He's like, screw you. I'm not going back to the store. (laughs) So this and it tastes really good, is gin, peach schnapps, and then watermelon-flavored sparkling water. And it tastes so good. I don't think I've had peach schnapps since high school. Wow. It is a holdover from my high school days, by the way. (laughs) All right. Fuzzy navels. So cheers. Cheers, Rocky. And uh, next up, we have Katrina. Katrina, tell us who you are, what you do, and what your drink is. Yeah, so my name is Katrina Kibben. I run a company called Three Ears Media, and we teach recruiters to write. I have spent a lot of time in this industry, and I figured out that hiring is always hard. But the one thing we can control, the one variable that we can actually use and always think about is how we ask and how we speak to people. And so I built an entire firm of really incredible writers who have recruiting backgrounds and create content that is equitable, that is considerate, and it is human. Uh, And I'm really, really proud of that. That means that I do a lot of training, talking, and writing all day, every day. Uh, (laughs) And as far as what I'm drinking right now, I am drinking the other mother of invention, espresso. (laughs) 
I love it. And do you have any of the three ears, John? I see one of the three ears behind you. Is that, is that, is that all behind? three are back here? Uh, so behind me, for those of you who can't see the visual, is my big dog, Lyric. She is a lab and she has one big ear. And that's where we get the third ear. The other two ears are on a tiny little Boston Terrier with a lot of attitude and a very large smell. But we can talk about her some other time. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Jerry, what are you going to be drinking today? Well, um, it was a struggle, but I, I went and bought a, a gin that was recommended by uh, a, a Chris, Ford's Gin. So I've got gin because I don't usually drink gin. But then um, there's, a, there's another thing going on right about now that they sent me in advance uh, a bunch of stuff. So I'm including a gin with... A San Pellegrino Italian sparkling drink that's orange and pomegranate. I figured, what the hell? And it tastes it tastes good when you suck it out of a Santa straw. <laughs> and everything tastes good out of a Santa straw. Yeah, it does. It really everything, does. Everything must taste good. With <laughs> uh, okay, so I also not a gin drinker, so this will be really interesting. Uh, and I'm going to make a hanky panky uh, is the name of my drink. Um, and it is um, what is in this? So I have some vermouth, some fernet branca. And of course, gin. And I'm just going to make it while we talk about it. I, I, it's supposed to be sophisticated and intriguing. So I'm very excited about it. That's all I know. I've never had one. It looked like a Manhattan. So I was like, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. All right. At least you have all of your ingredients, unlike Rocky's situation. <laughs> right, right, right. You are sophisticated and, and suave, and I am the mother of invention. It, it, isn't that what it's all about today, right? <laughs> Wait, about the third one, I'm probably going to pour uh, the ingredients in the keyboard. So, okay. When we, so the topic we talked about uh, throwing together is labels. Right. And in the in the spirit of uh, full transparency, Rocky, this is, I think, your third time with us. And so the theme of intent versus impact uh, constantly floats to the top. And I love that message. So in the spirit of intent and and unintended or intended impact, somebody when, when we got ready to kick this off, I said, are you guys ready? And I didn't I didn't even think about it. I just said, are you guys ready? How big? of a faux pas is that now? Because sometimes I catch myself, sometimes I don't. How big of a deal is that? Is it kind of like, eh, he's, him and his privilege, he just doesn't know? Or is that kind of a, you know, we're just gonna give some people some time to get over it? Or do, does anybody care? Is it really that big a deal? Really interesting one. Katrina, I can't wait to hear what you think about this, right? I'm a Midwestern girl by heart. And so, I probably said guys before I learned to say hi. It is so deeply embedded in my vocabulary. And I think over time, we have used the word guys as universal way of saying hello. Hey guys, what's up? Like we all do it, right? And I think we need to be sensitive to it because we need to recognize what it means because is that one, not one of those subconscious biases that says guys is the equalizer. And so we just consider this word to be the equalizer. However, 
I think when we think about faux pas, this is almost a socially accepted faux pas. Like people don't even think about it. They think about it like, hey y'all, like I'm I'm trying, I'm I'm in the South now and I'm trying to move guys to hey y'all. I don't personally find the term of guys offensive. Like it, it has no, it doesn't even register on my personal radar. And I feel like the only time I really hear it come up a lot is when we're having these conversations about labels and then we're telling people that they shouldn't have it. So that's the truth. So as an equity officer, I would say like, let's try to minimize the use of it, right? Because that, that's what I'm supposed to do. But I think in, in all the labels we're going to talk about, that one is, is probably the lowest hanging fruit of them all. Katrina, what's up? What do you think? Yeah, no, I, you said three things that I think are really, really interesting. So I'm just building off of all the smart things that you already said. The first one about this idea of personal radar. So my whole thing, it doesn't register on mine either. And people expect it to register on mine. They're like waiting for me. You know, they're looking at me like, oh, oh, here they come. Yeah. Like I'm going to pounce and I'm, I'm a word nerd. I, I believe that words, we learned language long before we learned um hurt before we learned fear before we learned joy everything we learned words and they are deeply embedded vocabulary is deep you know i grew up on military bases moving constantly i moved 13 times before i graduated and so my language is very different and i will make fun of southern accents and i'm air quoting make fun because i actually have one but i learned how to control it because i moved so much and and i realized that my vocabulary didn't work in certain places and it didn't help me fit in it didn't make make me you know it didn't create the outcome i wanted language has outcomes and that leads me to my last thought on this whole idea of like to me the fact that you have a bell is progress you, I, I don't expect 100% alignment uh, as someone who uses not who is non-binary, who uses they, them pronouns. I don't expect people to get my pronoun right every single time. But if you have a bell, I'm like, amen. Amen. We've at least we're directionally correct. If you have no bell, that's where I, I struggle. That's interesting. But you're also saying that the both of you are saying to some degree you have no bell when people say guy and reflect on a group and so what it suggests is that it's so embedded that language is so embedded that it's already kind of altered your mind to accept it versus uh you know the sensitivity that we should all have where almost anything should ring a bell it may have different priorities but fundamentally, I like the idea that it should ring a bell. So I get that I may have said that, and it's part of who I am and how I've been at it, and no one seems to take offense, but I should be aware of it. And to some degree, think about how over time I might be able to train myself to, to, be, more, to, to, to be more gender neutral in relation to my language, because at some point that may become more of a priority. Yeah. What's really interesting as we were talking about it, um, what came to mind is I am much more triggered when someone says girl or gal 
Hmm. See, that was my next question. Is it is hey, that interesting? Would yeah. would Hey Ladies have been had been better or had been worse? Well, worse for me. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, like that would have been worse. I think the because it's an assumption, right, of how we identify um, that we're no longer comfortable with. I think the girl piece for me, like any version of that girl, hon, uh, like I, you know, again, I'm down here on the, I'm in the South. And so a lot of people are like, Hey, hon, or girl. And I'm like, I ain't your hon. I'm not your girl. Uh, I'm a grown ass woman. And I would appreciate it if you address me as such, because you don't know me like that. Like, Honestly, that is the visceral reaction that I have. Now, if I was standing with someone and they were like, hey, guys, how you doing? No, like the bell is really light. You say girl or gal or some version of that. And I'm ready to pop my earrings off and fight because I think that there is a like, that's how I feel inside. That's my visceral response. So you can you can live with you can live with guys, but you can't live if I said guys and gals. That would be less Ooh, that's interesting. acceptable. So you know what I think it is? And this is someone who has experienced the privilege and the, and the life experience of both now in a way, right? So I, over the last year, I, I'm going to tell all of you something that everyone else will read tomorrow. I have been taking testosterone and my body has changed. I, how I look, how I sound, things have changed. And I have experienced the privilege of being both a white man and a white woman walking through this world. And you know what I think it is, Rocky, and please tell me if it's this isn't it, but I think somewhere inside of you, we have been told that women are less than men, or we have at least, we have not been told explicitly, but we've seen it play out a hundred times. And the second you approach a group and you say, oh, hey, ladies, it's, Got it. huh. we went like this exactly. instead of we were all here. And right. Absolutely. That's historic. It's not you. (laughs) It's everything. There is a bit of condescension that I feel is tied to the way you say it. And, and look, I'm all about assuming positive intent. And there's times when I'm places again, I'm in the South. So there's times where someone's like, Hey, hon. And I know that they mean it. Like I can see the intent. I can see the, the genuineness coming out. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this doesn't bother me. But then I can see and feel the somewhere between neutral to the 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 not so positive intent. And so the baseline is really low. And Katrina, you just hit it on. And I think that there's another nuance here. If we're going to go there, let's go all the way there. There's another nuance there because it's not you've had the experience from a white female perspective, right? Now you pile on being a black female. Okay. And as a black person, gal, girl, boy was the language used to make black people know that they were even further down the chain. Right. So, so you're even lesser than you're not a man, you're a boy. You're, you're, you're not a woman, you're a girl or a gal. And so it probably even has a further trigger for me as a black woman when someone says girl or gal um i'm trying to like now that i'm over 50 i think i'm trying to convince myself that it's a compliment but it still isn't working 
Like when you get ID'd and you're like, what? You don't get this wrinkle without over 21. This is not a 21 year old wrinkle. It's not. Right, right. <laughs> this, this, this is 50, right? This is not, this is not ideable, right? That's interesting. I would have thought there would have been an element there. And <clears throat> I was trying to ask earlier of um, like intimacy, like a level of like this assumed, very good, like a, hey girl, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like, oh, like you don't know me. Like you're, you're not close enough to me to say, hey girl, yeah. or hey guy. But, but you, but when you were talking that through, I was like, well, hey girl to me is not the same as hey boy. Like I, I would not respond well to hey boy. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's got to be, and as a white male, it's got to be exponentially more uh, frustrating or offensive or, or bothersome, right, um, for both of you. I think, think what's interesting, Katrina, go ahead. No, you know what I was just thinking, though? If, if Rocky, you and I, I have a feeling we're going to be friends after this, right? If I saw you and we were walking into a conference, I'd be like, hey, girl, hey, hey, girl, hey, no question, no question. If I saw a friend of mine come in and like, it, no question asked, because we have a relationship now. I, th I do think that there's intimacy and history that mm -hmm. play into all labels. Yes, I would agree. I, I, agreed with you. Like, I was just going to go there, so I'll just plus one you. You know, I do it all the time for people that I have that kind of vibe with where I'm like, hey, girl, hey. And if someone's like, hey, girl, hey, even if they're new, like if I'm in Sephora and someone's like, oh, I like your makeup. Hey, girl, hey. Like there's that's different. Right. So to your point, there's a there's a time and place that makes it feel. But yeah, you're, you're, just... you're spot on. So I'll share, it's kind of a silly comparison, but I'll share it. So my partner and I were talking the other day and I walked in and I was like, hey girl. She was like, hey boy. And I was like, mm, mm, nope. I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. She's like, I don't, I don't know what the problem with that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. just pointed it out. We all have bells, right? Yeah. And like right. for me, that came out through my identity. So as someone who's non-binary, right, when someone said girl to me, I felt friction. The way I describe it to people when I present is, have you ever put your right foot in your left shoe? And you know that feeling of like, that ain't right. That wasn't right. That's the feeling you had when, she, when your partner called you boy. It's the same feeling that I have when people, are, when people say girl or she. And I think that labels right that's that's what happens it is the sensation of putting your foot in the wrong shoe and it just feels wrong yeah is there Katrina I want to ask you this question Chris if you don't mind because I think there's something here when we think about not just the label but the language and how we communicate we communicate holy we communicate through tone of voice we communicate through eye we communicate through body language and I think that that's an added intent because when Raymond is like, hey, girl, I'm like, ooh, hey, <laughs> you know, like it's a it's a it's a different I would never to your point be like, ooh, hey, boy, hey, like, no, I would not do that. But there is an intent behind it. There's a feeling there's a warmth. You can, It's almost visceral. So I think it's 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 the label. It's the language, but it's how it's all framed and communicated mm -hmm. um, that that it comes together in terms of how that label is received. And I think we have to think about something when we think about communication. If you really look at communication principles, and I got the expert over here, so I'm going to go back to Katrina, but there's two parts to communication. It's 
what you said and how it's received. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of our challenges is in that in-between. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I like that. I like the way of, of parsing that to think about the fact that if you really want to be an ally, you're going to try to be much more transparent and say, say what you see, say, say, say how you feel, say how you whatever. And you're going to make mistakes, especially if you're an old white dude that's, that, that transcends you know, 50, 60 years. There's, there's embedded language in my, in my background that fundamentally is going to be mis- mistaken. I get that my intent is positive to be an ally, but it also means that the person who's receiving it gets my intent. Well, That's I suspect so in part, it's on that. That's an interesting issue. I, I suspect you get a little bit of a pass from the receiver unless they're a raging asshole. Right. It's the you have to know your audience. And so I suspect when somebody who is in their 70s versus in their 30s uses a a language that is being quite honestly terms that are being phased out. Right. Um, Or or evolved. I would imagine you get a little bit of past. Have you ever have you ever been corrected? Me? Yeah. Nobody corrects the Godfather. I no, 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 no. (laughs) I I I ask for and get really good excellent feedback from people that uh, I'm, I'm networked with, but I, as part of my privilege, I only surround myself with people that I care about. So I ignore a huge group of people that fundamentally would not, would not come up to, uh, would not be comfortable with me or I would be comfortable with them. And therefore, uh, because I can do that, I don't experience a lot of those issues. And therefore, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat naive because I focus in on the group that I, I care about. That, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but the reality is I don't, I don't, I don't walk in places where I'm going to have a problem. Jerry, what I hear you saying is you don't have any haters hanging around. Uh, you know, the, I, you know, very seldom in my life have I come across those haters, a few. But, but fundamentally, I can, I can find a way to, to put them away. I, don't ha- I have control over that. That's yeah. part of that privilege issue. So I can find a way to do that. But that also means that I miss the experiences that that some folks have where where they don't have that that capability. And so I need to learn from from them so that I can be a better ally when they have those experiences with people that they can't avoid. Absolutely. Some things to that, though, that Katrina talked earlier when she did her her introduction about the humaneness of it all. Right. Yeah. And Chris, when you were talking about that, this story comes to mind. Can I tell a story? Can I tell a story? So I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana for about six months. If anyone's listening from Fort Wayne, my apologies, but it isn't my cup of tea. But one of the experiences that I had, and I think this is again about language intent and 
you have, and I'm going to bring this back to a bigger point. So let me hold the point for a minute. So I'm in the mall because there ain't shit else to do in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but go to the mall, right? So I'm a brand new mother for context. I am 21 years old. I have just had my first child. You know, I am bored out of my mind. It's the first time I haven't worked. And so I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to walk her around because like, what else is there to do, right? And so I'm sitting kind of in the food court with my cute little baby. And this baby is now 31. So this gives you a little bit of context. And I sit next to someone and we're all people, people. So I can guarantee we're all the kind of people that if we sit down next to someone, a conversation is going to happen. So I'm sitting next to a white woman who, if I had to guess, was probably in her 80s. And, and we're chatting and she's just like, that is the cutest little Negro baby I have ever seen in my whole life. She is so adorable and she's so sweet. And you know what? Let me just tell you something, sweetie. When I was a little girl, I used to tell my mother that what I wanted more than anything was a little Negro baby brother. <laughs> wow. On and on and on. This is what I kind of mean about there's a responsibility, I think, on both sides. And we haven't talked about this. And this is the point I want to make, right? She didn't have impact on me because I could clearly see there was no malintent, right? Uh, she, she, th this was the language that she grew up with. She would have never known anything else. And so as I'm sitting there looking at this very sweet old lady who's like hugging me and got her back, you know that there's no malintent. And, and so now though, I'm kind of scared for her. Cause I'm like, if she says this to the wrong person, that's what happens. Right? <laughs> she, she, she's gonna get in the mall and somebody who's not tolerant like me is gonna sit down she's gonna say this and they're gonna knock this old woman out so i need to say something right how, so, how do you i mean you you okay i gotta ask <laughs> how long does it take you this is 30 years ago how, how long at that point in your own personal growth does it take the wheels to turn to go i feel like i should say something I, I feel like I should address how am I going to say this? But what is it five seconds? Is it a minute? We're like, please don't go. It was probably like, oh, we were sitting down. Like I was nursing the baby. Like this was this, like, again, there's nothing else to do in Fort Wayne. But probably the fourth or fifth time she said, Negro, I was like, okay, can I just tell you something? Because I like you, right? I have to tell you this. They don't call us Negroes anymore, right? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be saying this word and here's why i'm telling you this because you're going to say it to someone and they're going to be offended and you're too sweet i know you're trying not trying to offend anyone and honestly like you're sitting in the mall by yourself i don't want anybody to hurt you like i was just very honest but again i made sure to like kind of put my hand on her shoulder and have a big smile on my yeah. face and go like i'm telling you this out of love so just She's like, well, what do they call you all now? <laughs> right. Like, you say people. They call us people. What happens, <laughs> because what happens next is a security issue. And that's the part that we can all giggle about right now because nothing bad happened. But as someone who's been in a situation where someone misgendered me and it turned into a bouncer throwing me on the ground, or it turned into someone ripping me out of a bathroom, or moments like that, the 
what happens next when when you say you shouldn't say that what happens in their brain is the issue that's the trigger point that most of us do not have the privilege to walk up on and be like here we are Mm -hmm. and I, i use the word privilege lightly because if you're even in the situation you are lacking of but it's that moment where that person assumes that everyone got the same chip we talked about the vocabulary chip like all of us have one and it's custom and programmed to you right jerry you have a chip chris has a chip rocky has a chip what's dangerous is when you go everybody got my chip why don't you like my word i we all can say that i say what i want and and then we remove accountability and responsibility and those are two different things okay accountability how do i account for myself my chip is not perfect responsibility is where it gets dangerous and where trans people get murdered is when we have a response issue how do we respond to each other and i'm in that scenario where example i'm sitting next to an evangelical preacher he thinks i'm a nice young man and he's lecturing me and lecturing me and finally i'm like nah and you watch his brain explode and then he starts to explain to me that i don't know god and like it gets tense (laughs) and i backstory i grew up in a catholic church so i can recite the bible and we can play here this is my playground i never thought that dropping bible verses would be like a flex at any point in my life but i was like anyone who knows love knows god do you know where that is big guy and watching his face but God bless, we were on a plane. I was safe. I could challenge. I can't challenge in that bar in rural Texas. Mm -hmm. I can't challenge in that bar when I'm in a road stop, in a truck stop, and someone asks me, what are you doing here when I'm standing in the line for the bathroom? North Carolina, shotgun, when I pulled up to ask for direction. 30 seconds to get out of here. Okay. I wasn't challenging. I would imagine now it's that's about... a, you've got to pick you've got to pick when you want to throw down yeah. and Not... offer even even the yeah. most pleasant of corrections. Yeah. Yeah. Not North Carolina, West Virginia. I, and I got lost. And when the, when the late I go in and ask for directions and she's like, yeah, you get about 30 seconds. We don't give a shit whether you're lost. You get about 30 seconds to get out of here. And you know what? There's a part of you that really wants to, to your point, stand your ground and go, right. no. And then you know what? I think about my husband and my four kids and I hurry my ass back out to my car and I go. It's very hard. I was in, I, I had hitchhiked to Florida in- A month ago. He did it a month ago. No, 1966 <laughs> in February um, or January actually, because we were off uh, to see a girl in Florida. And I hitchhiked and found a, a, a person in uh, the Carolinas who was going to Atlanta. I said, fine, I'll take it. Uh, we were through, we we're going through a rural area of Georgia and uh, it snowed. It was like a blizzard. And uh, the car in front of us swerved around. We hit it as it swerved around. We hit it actually head on. Um, I was knocked out. And when I when I woke up, I had glass in my nose from the rearview mirror and a a sheriff who leaned into the car and said, I think we got some northern boys here. (laughs) 
That is the only time in my life where, from a label point of view, I I was very uncomfortable, and I was in jail for a for a day. They let me in go. the car accident. In the car accident, I was in jail for a day. There was only two buildings in the town. One was the jail, and the other was the um, the automobile um, uh, fixer place. And um, the guy that had drove me basically. He was there for about a week because the circuit court judge did not get there for a week. And he was not willing to pay to pay the sheriff's brother-in-law to have his car fully fixed at the price that was was. Are you sure this wasn't a Michael J. Fox movie? No, no, this was not. This was a real thing <laughs> that I encountered. It was probably the only time that I that I had that kind of experience. It was it was not a good one, believe me. But but I get I get the fact that when you're in that 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 moment, you're you know, you could step up and say something that might not be really good for you long term. And keep in mind, 1965 was not a good time for either white people or black people in in uh, in in the rural south. So, um, so fundamentally, it was really an interesting experience, and and definitely, I, I cooled my role at that moment. I suspect a lot of people uh, underestimate the intensity of, of offering a correction. Yeah, and, and the situation, situationality. Would that be? This is my this is my own vocabulary chip kicking in, but like the the right the the. Very, very having to be very aware of the situation before you offer any feedback or before you just, you know, do a 180 and you're out of there. I know for me, I find moments where they say, hello, sir. And I'm like, just lock your lips. Don't say a word, because frankly, I know I will be treated better. Hmm. Right. Yeah, there's a couple of things to unpack there. That's 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 different. Yeah. Yeah, in addition to just a label. I have one other story I really would like to share that 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 relates to to labeling. Um, but I remember from a peak experience, and this was actually earlier. It was in the, in the early 1960s. I was in high school, and um, I came home, and I was in. I actually remember vividly because it was such a peak experience. But I remember being with my mother, who's who came back from school. She was making dinner and uh, and the radio was on and the radio talked about a rating a um, a homosexual bar. And if from the perspective of 1963, this was, you know, it, they were going after people who were doing illegal things and uh, lots of stuff was going on. And obviously it was very negative. Um, and I remember because I was only about six to 15, 16 years old from a sexual identity point of view, I probably was very immature in relation to all of those kinds of things. I made some very strong comments in support of what the person on the radio was saying. And my mother turned to me and she said, you know, your comments say a lot more about you than they do about the people 
that you just described. And for me, it was like an awakening of, oh my God, there's something subconscious in who we are that I've never explored. You know, I've just reacted. And it was a self-awareness. I believe that I became in reflection because I fully understood that, that, you know, how I operated and how I behaved was a combination of not only a set of programs, but a set of choices that I have about how I think about who I am and how I create who I am. And that was an extraordinary experience for me. I remember it vividly. Um, in hindsight, my mother was extraordinarily insightful. She was a, a sixth grade teacher. Um, and, and, and she did not judge or anything else. She just forced, she just planted a seed that forced me to rethink why I would be that angry about someone that, that didn't do anything, you know, criminal or negative or whatever, but that it reflected on my lack of ability to understand who I was versus anything else. There, there is a, there is a, <clears throat> I don't want to say pass, but a level of tolerance, I think, that can be afforded to the nature aspect, right? That, that you are taught those biases, depending on where you were raised <laughs> and the era in which you were raised in. Like, I think there's an element of that, but there does come a point when we, we are supposed to be thinking for ourselves, right? And that is maybe that's, Jerry, you had your, your, your awakening, right? But I mean, maybe that is a point and, and everyone's is probably different to where some of the behavior is inexcusable and no longer tolerable at all. Yeah. I'm, I just I'm give convinced a that to it's, Mama there Kristen. is a point at which we all become accountable for ourselves. And, and so that, that awareness has to take place. And if it doesn't, then fundamentally we have to find a way to, uh, you know, to, to counter that yeah. either through law or through, through influence or through some other way. I was just thinking about that. And I'm confident that every one of us have a moment where you remember someone changing your mind. And yeah. it was the moment when you said something so boldly with such distinct determination and they looked you dead in the eye and they said, no. And we just talked about the brave moment, but we didn't talk about the impact on the other person. And that's why I'm telling people about my life and why I have chosen to be out. And, and to be clear, like, I actually don't want to be out. And I know that sounds weird, okay? But I am the most senior non-binary person I've ever met. I am, by all terms, and I don't, I don't mean this to sound khaki, I'm the most successful non-binary person I've ever met. I have so much privilege. I am my own boss. We jokingly said before we hit record, I, I fire me, I fire me, right? <laughs> and I decide to live quietly. And the reason why I decided to speak out was because of a moment where I realized how much privilege I had just a couple weeks ago where I went to the doctor and they did not prescribe my medicine correctly. They didn't give me the correct stuff and I could have killed myself if I had pers if I had continued. And that's a severe consequence of not correction, of not speaking up, right? 
And I read something the other day and this is, it came to mind when you said it, you know, they said, I, I have failed in my life, but I've never failed enough. And I think when it comes to understanding people, that's the level I will always, I, I will say 1000%, I'm willing to fail a million times because my only understanding of people is that they shall change. That's my only, the only truth. That's great. I love that. But I think it's such an important thing that you just said, and it ties into what Jerry said and Chris, what you were pointing us to. We all make decisions along the way. And some of those decisions are big steps and some of them are small steps. You guys know I fundamentally, see, look, I just said it, you guys, right? We all know I fundamentally believe that you change this diversity narrative, one story, one conversation, one action at a time. But, but to Katrina's point, like the folks over at Matheson just did this survey, right? They did the 2021 survey. They surveyed like, I don't know, 500, I think, diverse candidates. And the thing that just breaks my heart when I look at the number, even though I know it, and it was multiple dimensions of diversity, even though I know it, even though I live it, to look at this stat that says 50% of people know or really believe that showing up the way they are is a detriment in the hiring process Mm. and a detriment to how they show up in the world. Now, to Katrina's point, you can make a choice to pass, right? You could go, I'm going to be quiet about this. I don't need to tell anybody, right? Not to compare struggles. I can't freaking hide that I'm a Black woman. There's nothing about all of this that you can hide. I can't pass for Jack that I'm not, right? And so the decision I have to make is then how do I show up? And at what point in time do I take my privilege? Because to your point, I am so privileged in, in multiple ways that would take more than an hour to list in my privilege. But at what point in time do I go, I'm not going to sit back and play the game. I'm not going to sit back and, 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 and not say what needs to be said and to be bold about it and to be badass about it and to be okay with the people who don't like it. Because you know what? If it changes the narrative just a little bit, then it's worth it. And so to your point, that decision to live out loud, that decision to talk about the things because I am raising four Black children. I am married to a Black man and I have a responsibility to them. But I also have a responsibility to the people who look at me and go, well, how she shows up might tell me how I can show up. And I remember the first time that it really, really clicked to me. I was in an office. I was actually moving to a new role and someone came to me and it was less about color, right? Like it was less about color, but it was the moment where it all really clicked to me. And someone said to me as part of goodbye, thank you for letting me know that it was okay to show up as myself and that I could still be successful and grow. Because let's take a, take aside the black thing. I don't typically show up like most executives do with their nose ring and their earring and their short blonde hair, my big hoop earrings and my loud voice and all of that. And I made a decision a long time ago. You either like it or you don't. It's okay. I'll go find somebody who does. It's cool. And I didn't realize how just showing up and being unapologetically me 
impacts the people around me who look at me and go, oh, well, look at that. And if she can do it, then maybe I can, maybe this whole concept of me showing up as my whole self is true. Because if she can do it, I can. And I think when I hear people, Katrina, thank you for making that decision. Because when you make the decision, you empower people that you don't even know. Yeah, I'm absolutely in support of that from a white dude point of view. I need, I need, in order to be an ally, I need to know that you are unreservedly who you are. Yeah. I need to know that you give a shit about being being out, being, uh, being black, which being uh, disabled, being whatever that I can support. It's hard for me to be supportive when you are, when you are not doing who you are. And I, and I get that. And I, I listen to some, you know, of these podcasts where, where someone's saying who's black, for example, who's saying, I'm just tired of talking to white people about what my story is. And I'm going, you know what? I need, I need for you to continue to do that. I need a commitment from you to make a mission of telling your story because fundamentally that, that empowers me to be helpful when you, when you fail or, or when you don't step up is when I struggle to be able to be your defender. I shouldn't be your defender. I should be I should be the supporter of your of your defense, if you will. And so fundamentally, you know, I can't be the person who creates the path. You're making the path. I just need to be able to follow behind you and make sure that the assholes don't, don't, you know, don't keep going. So yes. And I think if you come into this space and you say, I want to be a speaker, don't do it. Because speakers just have a methodology and present their methodology, right? Like, and I've been thinking about this a lot. And Jerry, you and I, I feel like we've been on this journey together because I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. And I've known you the whole time. And I wanted to be a speaker when I started. And now I want to be a teacher. I go into every conversation with my story and I will hold it right there for you. And I'll tell you the hard parts and I'll walk through it again. And I will say out loud to everyone, I do think it's hard. Like I have said that before. And I also say, and I am willing because nothing changes without the story. It doesn't. And what I I think of this lyric, that's what good is light if we don't let it in, Mm. right? Ooh, and so light in a box, you don't, it's, you don't even know there's light in there. It's like tree in a forest. So, so, uh, so uh, Katrina, I don't know if Chris has sent you the link to the woman who is a PhD in, uh, what was that? Antonia Forster. Oh God. She needs to have that. If she doesn't have that. I'll send needs, it over. It's on the site. To, look at that. This woman blows my mind she was she's out of i don't know england or something like that she's a phd that has to do with with animals and one of the problems that uh she encountered um as she grew up and realized that she she her her interests were not the same was that 
was that people were saying, well, that's that's perverted. That's strange. That's unusual. That's that's not normal. And she goes. And and so what she does is a an hour presentation in which in which she looks at uh, queer behavior in animals. And Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, once you're done with that, you go, holy shit. Holy, holy shit. What do you mean normal? This is normal. That we are all all capable of all kinds of behaviors from from a sexual as well as orientation point of view. And that, you know, we make choices along the way. We have the capacity and we we lean one way versus the other, you know, with all of the issues that, that come up. And we can have conversations and discussions but all of this is normal. We don't have an abnormality relative to much of this, yeah. not only among the human species, but, but when we look at what freaking animals do, we, go, we should go, holy shit, I had well, never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, and you just hit on the word normal, right? Rocky, you know who calls me? Parents. Parents of queer kids call me. It is not, I very rarely get contacted by queer people in HR. How, or, how exactly How exactly does that go? Yeah, they call <laughs> me and they say, I, I need to tell you something. So typically they call me for work. They are a VP of HR. They are someone hosting an event. Um, the Higher Education Resource Center for colleges in Har- like Harvard, you know? And then at the end, they they say to me something, they'll go, what, can you tell me what that black, purple, and white flag is? Um, I saw on your bio that it says you're non-binary. Are you, are you? <laughs> I, I have a question. I'm dead serious. And, and the questions, it makes me want to cry because they're like, most of the time they say to me, I just want to be a better parent to my child. And I don't know how, can you help me? And the thing I tell them is that knowing who you are is a superpower, but the world will always be freaked out by superpowers. It is not normal for someone to like go into the phone booth and come out and blow up the windows and fly at lightning speed, right? It is not normal for you to know who you are when you're 13 years old either, right? right? And the world will tell you that you don't have a superpower. They'll tell you you're weird, but you are actually a superhero. That's what I tell those parents. Tell your kid they are a superhero. And most people spend their whole life looking. That's how Oprah made a whole career off of knowing who you are. Somewhere along the line, we made knowing your gender, knowing your sexuality, the no-no knowing. My granddaughter about a month ago told her mother, she said, you know, I have no idea about sex. I don't even know when I will have sex. I have no idea about any of these kinds of things. But I just think... From my perspective, I want to be considered they. And so I, you know, I've been reading this stuff and and I'm going to do, you know, they and them and whatever. And so she's doing that. And 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 I'm telling that. you, it's just it's great. It's it is a fabulous way to be able to say, you know, I'm I'm considering what I am. But isn't that so critical? Like when I think about this from the lens of being a mother, right? And I've had to grow and evolve with the language I use, but I remember having this conversation. Now think, again, 
think historically. My husband uh, was born in 1960, right? Different, gener- like we're a generation apart, literally. And so his life experience and raised, you know, Southern Baptist church, yeah. dad was a, min- uh, a deacon, like this is, I, they put a big scarlet letter when I showed up with this little baby out of wedlock with him, like that's the vibe, right? And I remember sitting him down, like once we got to four and saying, you realize that the statistics say somebody here is not going to be heterosexual. And so I want to talk to you about this now to make sure that we're aligned with how we think about this, right? Because I need us to introduce this language really early. Like, I don't need anybody hiding in closets. That is too much stress. They're gonna have too much shit to deal with out in the world. They need to know within these walls, they're safe. Now, I may not always get the language right and it's evolved, right? And I do have a daughter that's queer. I have a daughter that I believe is asexual. I have another daughter who doesn't plan on telling me what her sex life is, right? I've got a, like, it's a very interesting dynamic. I don't know what was in the water, but one of the things that we all said to our kids was, I don't really care who you sleep with. I don't give a shit who you love. They need to treat you right. And for the purposes of sex education and who can spend the night in your bedroom, I just need to know how you identify. Otherwise, I don't give a shit. I just need to know if John can't spend the night or Susie can't spend the night because that ain't happening in our house. But other than that, we don't really give a shit. Now, I say that to say this because we started talking about labels and language. Just think about if everyone could start to have that language in their house. Here are your choices you can choose, right? If you're in my house, like we don't like, yeah, I can't hide the fact that I'm black. But if I picked this up and took you to my son's room that's over there, you would see the consortium of kids that are there. Now, there is the crew is Xavier who runs around looking like his mother with dreadlocks is what he looks like. And then there's Dom, who is his very best friend, my love son, his mother. This families actually spend holidays together, who is the whitest of white ginger head boy. Then there's Andrew, who's Hispanic. And then there's a whole crew of them. And none of them think anything about it because that's how we raise them all. Like going back to these labels and this language, we've got to start to find a way to shift and change the inputs we're giving this next generation from the very start. So it so changes the output. I actually think, Rocky, it's, it's actually being pushed up. I think each generation, and we have a responsibility as parents to fit. Like I did, I did very, something right. very similar with my kids, but I feel like I learned probably more from my kids about that than I did from my parents. Yes, I would agree. I That's agree. We're making new bells to bring it back to the beginning, exactly. right? We're the making upgrade. New bells, reprogramming the chip. And even the idea that there's a spectrum, right? I tell people, no, spectrum implies two ends. And I'm not playing a two-ended game. This is not binary. Gender is a playground. And the only expectation I have of the playground is that it will change. I don't want to go to some old janky playground where there's only two things. I want to go to the fun playground. Yes. And that's, I think that's the, that's where we start, right? We tell our kids, I don't know. It's, it's not boys or girls. It's 
Who do you want to have sex with? They're not allowed in your room. You might oh. not want to tell them the end game before you yeah. ask the first question. And if it changes along the way, <laughs> just tell me it's changed. So That's I know what I expect. <laughs> yeah, I and promise that would have been the first thing on my list is, mm, I'm interested in something else. I better tell my parents right away. <laughs> I, I want to know who loves you and who you love. Yes, that's actually what it's all about. And that's it. You know, it's it is in the long run, you know, we're we're on this earth a short time. And so fundamentally, I think that's that's the only thing that adds value to us as individuals is who we love and who loves us. And is that okay for you? And if it is, then I'm fully embrace embracing that. Um, and that's my job is to embrace what, what, you know, who we are. And Because I think I we need to go. Two, yeah. It's like embrace and keep the door open for anything to change. God. Yes. Without a doubt. It does change. We, yes. we get that. Healthy heart. Yeah. I love that. Big stuff. Yeah. I love that. Well, okay. So really quick. We got to, we need to recap our drinks. Our, I saw a couple of us, not all of us, but I'm not judging. A couple of us poured some refills. So again, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and uh, I'll go in reverse Brady Bunch order. Jerry. Yes. How was your uh, Santa straw drink? It was very good. I've got a nice buzz going on and enjoyed that. But more importantly, I enjoyed the conversation with two people that I care about. Two. That's nice, Jerry. Well, three. Oh, nice. I, it's, 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 <laughs> I was like, Chris, I know you're the third. It's a <laughs> well, who's, I meant, who's the third, Jerry? <laughs> Sorry, Rocky. Sorry. <laughs> two Emmett, other people. Again, Chris. Two other people that <laughs> other than you that I care about. You know I care about you, but definitely I was not referring to one of those two or not. It was definitely to those two. Give me a shit. Give me a break. <laughs> I think it makes a difference in a straw. That's all I'm saying. All right. So, <laughs> all right, Katrina, how was your drink? Great. I mean, you you heard the mother of invention espresso kicking because I'm pretty sure all of you just got my version of preaching. So yeah, standard standard Katrina energy, which I've jokingly called puppy energy at this point. So I'm good. Pretty good. You got the verbal zoomies. How about that? Verbal zoomies. I like it. <laughs> you can steal that. You can take that if you want. It's fine. And Rocky? Yeah, it's good. I think I'm going to officially name the drink uncorked. That's what I think I'm going to call it. Oh, I love that. We're in a college. How about how about you, Chris? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. It's not it's not my tastiest of drinks that I've had, but it's getting the job done. Yeah, yeah. And, and you thought you were going to get this done in 40 minutes. I was like, we'll wrap this up in like 40. It'll be fine. Chris, you and I have never even had a 40-minute conversation. Were you smoking something? He was. He was smoking the, the wrong thing. And I told him that this afternoon. I said, you want to do this in 35 minutes? And he goes, yeah, because that's that's the attention span of most people. And I go, I don't give a shit about the attention span of most people. 
it's it's going to be a conversation that's going to end when it ends. You guys know I don't smoke. I'm much more about the candies. It's fine. <laughs> love it. Well, look, I love all three of you. And thank I want you. to thank you so much for giving us a little bit of time this afternoon. You guys are amazing and we love you. And, you know, if ever we can help uh, or be a megaphone or a trombone or whatever we need to be, let us know. Well, I have just got to tell you, Katrina, yeah, babe, you're stuck with me. Mad love to you. Uh, Jerry, Chris, you already know I love you. Barb's in the background. Barb, I love you, too. Thank you all um, for showing up and just being you. She's back trying to figure out how the hell am I going to edit this to 40 minutes? (gasps) Good luck. That's not not going to happen. Maybe maybe do... uh, uh, one and two or something like that. I'll just edit Jerry out and then we'll be fine. That would be fine. I didn't talk that much. <laughs> I would, I did not talk that much. Of, of course not. Jerry would never edit you out, ever. No, it's fun. It's nobody cancels you know? Jerry. It's a big, I, I think, I think this group is extraordinary and I, I think we need, uh, from an ally point of view, we need we need to really kind of deconstruct some of these issues in a way that that helps people understand how they personally should be thinking about issues related to DE and I, et cetera. And 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 it's just not it's not happening as fast as we would like, but I think we could push the edge of this if we make some efforts. So yeah, I would just I I, really look, I applaud anybody who makes the, the corrections. I just implore them, no matter what side of the equation they're on, just please be very careful when you yes. make those, those corrections. And I really appreciate that this was not the gay hour. I usually walk into conversations about labels and everyone is queer, right? Or everyone is that this one dimension. And I think that there was just a lot having this group of people, right? People who are parents, people who are black, people who are queer, people who are, right? Like, and all these different pieces, I think it just made for a really interesting academic conversation oh, about it, our programming oh, and linguistics. Without a oh. doubt. It, it is about difference. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, we, we, when we, we look at who's missing, you know, disability is a missing issue in terms of that. Um, and fundamentally, we need, to, we need to better educate the folks who are making hiring decisions to be much more open in terms of what they do. You know, anyway, it's what is. Ah, eh, fuck them. <laughs> if we well, can, we will. that note. <laughs> I love you guys. Have a great evening. Thank you so much. Later. Happy holidays, Thanks for joining us for another episode of Career Crossroads Uncorked. Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin look forward to sharing more drinks and conversation with you next time. Until then, cheers.